This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The numbers told the story. They always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. Hello, it is a numbers game here on VEASAN, and I am not Gil Alexander. I'm Matt Brown, filling in for Gil as he gets some nice R&R behind the glass, as always. You got Midland Bidlin, the beard of joy, and we'll be joined a little bit later here. Drew Densick going to get in here, talk some NBA. I'm sure we'll talk some tennis as well with Drew, whatever else he might be betting out there. We found out. Along the way, he was an Olympic curling expert. He was all these other experts digging into all the markets, Kelly, that people want to know. So Drew Densick here. Going to come in with the, give us a, giving us the goods. FIBA basketball at the yeah. end of the summer, yeah. Women's World Cup. He's going to have it all, man. There's no doubt about that. Paul Spohr also going to join us from Fangraphs, talk some baseball with him. Maybe even a little fantasy baseball if you do that on the side because it is getting that point of the season where I'm sure you're sick and tired of it. But Paul Spohr, that's what he lives for. So he is going to be here and help us with all of that. But over the weekend, lots to talk about, lots to recap here on a Monday morning. First and foremost, over in the tennis world, over in France, Novak Djokovic captures the 23rd Grand Slam of his career. That sets a men's record all time with Novak Djokovic getting that done. He beats Kasper Ruud in straight sets. If you were watching this, it wasn't always easy for Djokovic, but he does get it done in straight sets. And listen, he's the oldest man to ever win the French at 36 years old. The 23 Grand Slams and counting, and I say and counting because Look, the level of play from Novak Djokovic is still so incredibly high, it would not surprise me to see him get another one, and maybe even two. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, here we are. We are two of the four legs into the calendar Grand Slam, and this is something that we have not seen since 1969 when Rod Laver completed a calendar Grand Slam. Of course, that is capturing all of the four Grand Slams in the same calendar year. And we are halfway there with Novak Djokovic and, again, him playing at an incredibly, incredibly high level. This 23, in my opinion, likely to never be broken, and I can't even overstate what an accomplishment this is. Whenever you look that he has 23, and you have another player in the same era that has 22, and another player in the same era that has 20, and then you have a guy that stole three from them in in Andy Murray along the way, the fact that he was able to get to 23 – is absolutely crazy. He is your betting favorite as we head into Wimbledon, as we head over to the grass. And 
There are some people whose game translates well into Wimbledon. This is not going to be a cakewalk for Novak Djokovic by any stretch of the imagination as we head on to the grass. But I will say this. I'm not willing to bet against him. I'm not willing to bet against this dude going for not only history, but further history, cementing his place as the all-time great. And, you know, this was a very popular topic on Twitter, Kelly, is the GOAT conversation. And I think we get to the football side of things and love him, hate him, indifferent, somewhere in the middle. I think we can all agree that Tom Brady is pretty much going to go down as the greatest quarterback that ever lived. Again, whether you love him, whether you hate him, whether you're indifferent, somewhere in between, it's very hard to argue what the, what we got out of him from a longevity standpoint, from a high level of play standpoint, and from a championship standpoint. Then, if we go over to basketball, if you want to split hairs, it's fine if you want to argue Jordan or LeBron, but pretty much one of those two dudes is going to be your, your, your goat, right? I mean, whether you're Camp Jordan, whether you're Camp LeBron, it is what it is, but one of those two guys is going to be your goat probably whatever era you grew up in is where you're going to be a little bit more prone to to go with that. But from a tennis standpoint, listen, you had Federer who had the 20. You have Nadal who still has the 22. But now you get Djokovic who moves into the 23 spot here. Had to, Let's not forget, had to miss a couple of these along the way as well during the pandemic. So let's we won't get into the semantics, you know, all that stuff that, that went on. But you also have a dude who has now won on all four surfaces at least three times. The only guy to do that as well. And, and is very, very live for a couple of more over the course of this calendar year. Kelly, to me, I think the conversation has, has definitely moved. I'm a huge Federer dude. I love Roger yep. Federer. He was my guy growing up. He was the guy that I tried to emulate as I was coming up trying to play tennis. He was my dude. Well, as much as I hate to say it, I think Djokovic has moved into that number one spot. He has moved into that goat spot. And dare I say... Pretty convincingly. Yeah, I uh, I think you're right there. <laughs> I think I'm right there with you. The uh, Djokovic, I think, is number one to me at this point. I mean, what he's done this season, as you were just talking about, maybe some of his most impressive work yet, just because you know the, how, that he is getting older. And when you talk about all those guys in the historical perspective, the other part, like, when you talk about LeBron, LeBron and MJ, guess what? LeBron and MJ didn't have to play many games against each other. Yeah. Nadal, uh, jo- uh, Djokovic, like, all these guys, like, they had to play against each other in so many of these uh, major Grand Slam runs, too. So, um, yeah, I, I, another amazing performance, him at the French. I, f- I feel like it's year after year. I understand completely different surface, but it feels like he gets slept on a bit at the French every year um, and has pulled out multiple victories uh, there, like you said, three times. Um, so, yeah, going forward, looking at the odds right now, Djokovic minus 125 for Wimbledon. Carlos Zalkras plus 330. Medvedev plus 750. And Sasha Zverev, 12 to 1. Everybody else, uh, 12 to 1 or longer. Yeah, Berrettini at 12 to 1. And then after that, it kind of takes a, a pretty big jump. And like I said, I think that there is there are, there are definitely going to be some guys here that people are going to be on outside of Djokovic in this tournament. There's, there's no doubt about it. But, boy, he is a marvel. The way that he's been able to do this, the longevity that he has gotten, it is absolutely ridiculous. And we probably are never going to see anything like this again. Over on the women's side, Iga gets it done. I mean, this was – this. I'm not going to say a foregone conclusion. It was not it – was, it was not always easy for her to the point of actually dropped a set, right? We go 6-2, 5-7 then 6-4 in the third. She is also your betting favorite as we head into Wimbledon. Now, not as convincing a favorite as Djokovic is, plus 350 on Iga as she heads in there. But again, this was 
It's her fourth Grand Slam. It's her third French. She was supposed to win this tournament, ends up winning this tournament. Not a lot of commentary here to have other than the fact that she's just 22 years old. Pretty bright future in front of her, especially when you consider the competition around her in the women's division is not the greatest in the world, right? I mean, we see these... We see various competitors come in and come out. We've seen guys, we've seen like, you know, little spurts where we think that there might be someone who can actually compete with her spurts where we think someone might actually be kind of that, that rival to her. And it really just hasn't held up so far. And so where Iga can go from here, uh, you know, that is, it's, it's the, the sky's the limit as, as we say. And, you know, could she be, could we be talking about her in a decade in that same vein that we're talking about Djokovic here from a, you know, collecting a collecting grand slams. Probably so. Probably so. Yeah. On the ten, on the uh, golf side of things, we'll go to the other country club sport here. Yeah. You didn't even have to leave. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't even have to leave the country club. You went inside, you got yourself a burger and uh, now you walk back outside to the golf side of things. Nick Taylor, one of the coolest moments in sports recently for me. And I know this sounds weird because we're talking about the RBC Canadian open. And that is a tournament in which, Hey, look, you might not even pay attention to, right? I mean, we, it is the tournament before we're heading into a major, and you might have just kind of overlooked this thing. The field wasn't the deepest. It didn't have the biggest of biggest names in it, though Rory McIlroy did play in this tournament. But what ends up happening is Nick Taylor, if you weren't paying attention yesterday, is actually Canadian. It was the first time a Canadian had won their national tournament since in 69 years. So he wins this thing on a 72-foot eagle putt on the fourth playoff hole. He beats Tommy Fleetwood in a playoff. Sorry to our very own Wes Reynolds out there who did have an outright on Tommy Fleetwood. That being said, we're not feeling too sorry for Wes because Fleetwood is 0 for 119 on the PGA Tour, Kelly. He did win six times on the European Tour in his career, but boy... Zero for 119 for Fleetwood. I don't want to take away from Taylor at all in this. What he did was awesome. Made some very, very uh, clutch shots down the stretch to keep this thing, even in the playoffs, was able to make some clutch shots. And, of course, the 72-foot eagle, by the way, the longest putt that he's made on tour all year is the clincher there for him. But it's hard to ignore the story here with Fleetwood, which was, not only could he have just won it in regulation, if he, you know, everybody was birdieing 18, mm-hmm. it is a short par five, and he just chokes off the tee. He tries to take iron off the tee, puts it in the deep rough, and actually put it in put it in play where he might lose even getting to the playoff because he was so bad off the tee and in such bad position. Now he does. The get second it to shot the, was just as bad, if not worse, because yeah, he, he chooses to lay up and misses the fairway. It was, it, I was going to say, he, it's a testament to how good Fleetwood is, the fact that he even made five on that mm-hmm. because he butchered the hole so bad on the first two shots. But, man, it's hard to overlook. You and I, when we do long shots, and I'm sure you and Gil talk about this a lot here on Numbers Game as well, we talk about win equity. And when we're talking about these, you know, especially individual sports, right, a tennis tournament, a golf tournament, there are guys that guys and girls that are really, really good. But their actual win equity doesn't equal really and truly what what their odds come out to be. And a lot of times, maybe they're better play, better served to be p- played in the placement markets. Or if we're talking tennis, you know, to get to a certain part in a tournament, to win a quarter, to win whatever it might be, something like that. But not necessarily from an outright perspective. And and I don't want to. The guy gets to the fourth playoff hole. I'm not going to drag Tommy Fleetwood here. But what I am going to say is it. It does seem like we have separated pretty good from like when the winners that win and the guys that don't. But 
Tommy Fleetwood, to me, 0 for 119. It's a pretty telling story. And by the way, golf is only getting deeper and only getting tougher. And this was a weaker field, by the way. Like, this isn't even one of the majors. This isn't one of the ones where we're having him go up against the very, very best in the world. This was a couple of the very best in the world that were in this tournament. I just don't know if my money is served really ever betting Fleetwood from an outright perspective. Yeah, I hear you. The, uh, it, it, it's... I don't know if I I don't know if I say that won't change. I still kind of believe in him though, Matt. This is oh. I know I know the record's you stacking up against him. If, if at first you don't succeed, or if at first after 119 you don't <laughs> succeed, try try again. Yes, he has those yes. he has those wins in Europe though. I thought even his reaction yesterday was telling, where he was able to just kind of smile and laugh it off. And maybe you could say he doesn't have that killer instinct or something. But I see a guy out there who's playing well, who's like not going to let that affect him going. Forward. You know who did have a killer instinct? And we'll get to this later in the show if you're actually watching from video perspective. But the security guards at the RBC on Adam Hadwin goes out there to celebrate his boy, gets tackled by security, <laughs> gets down. He's just trying to spray him with a little champagne. We'll talk to Densick on the other side here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's. 
premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID and open accounts. Start placing bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. You must be 21 or older and physically located in the great state of Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. And if you do have a gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700. It's not Gil Alexander. It's Matt Brown filling in for Gil here on a Monday. And Drew Densick joining us here on the program. Always a pleasure, my man. It seems like I only get to see you when I'm filling in for Gil. You don't call, you don't write, you don't text, you don't tweet, anything like that. But man, it's good to get you here on a Monday morning. Well, sincere apologies. That's on me, obviously. Uh, but it is great to see you. Great to connect. Hope you're doing well out there in the uh, the beautiful desert. And yeah, it's uh, it, it was a fun week. Uh, second week of French Open really uh, was just a delight. So I'm in a great mood. Uh, we got some U.S. Open golf in town uh, this week at the L.A. Country Club. So uh, yeah, things are going great. Summer's off to a tremendous start. We will get to both of those with you here, but first and foremost, let's start with the NBA. Nuggets, nine-point favorites tonight, 209 on the total. How do you feel about this one? Is this just is this a foregone conclusion? Is this is the, one, is the series definitely over? And two, what are we looking at tonight in this game? I think yes, it is. Uh, and I mean, I'm frustrated with myself because I feel like I left a lot of money on the table. Uh, the way I kind of handled the series, I missed the best of the prices on the open on the nuggets. I thought maybe there was going to be an opportunity to buy low on them at some point uh, early in the series, which just never really materialized. Even after their game two loss, nobody was, nobody was fooled. <laughs> the nuggets were clearly the better team. Uh, the only thing I really, any, you know, in any way made money on was in game three, I laid the nuggets, but I uh, gave a bunch of that back playing overs in game four. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm struggling really to find a way to, uh, get involved in this game. And, you know, I think I'm pretty much ready to turn the page, turn the, turn the page in the uh, final chapter of the NBA year and start getting ready for the NBA draft. Cause I, <laughs> you know, nine, nine is, is almost my exact fair here. I'm at mm. nine and a half. Um, two Oh nine is low, but I've gotten, you know, just having just been burned playing some, uh, game four over, um, a little bit less inclined to go bananas on that over. Um, there's been a pretty clear correlation in the series when the heat are playing well, when they are scoring, uh, when their threes are going in, then, you know, they're covering spreads and the games are going over. Uh, and then the opposite has been the case when their threes are not falling. It's been clear to lay the points, play the under. Um, and so I think you're going to have to kind of read sort of how the shots are falling for the heat in the first half and maybe make some decisions on how to play the second half in terms of total. Um, again, I, I think this total is a little too low. I make it 212. So uh, if I have a bet in this game, by the time we get to tip, it's going to be the over. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty much ready to call it a series. Yeah, your personal opinion here is, is Jimmy Butler right? It seems to me like there's something going. It might just be fatigue. He's played super heavy minutes. I get all that, but it just doesn't, it doesn't look like Jimmy Butler of the beginning of the playoffs from what we've seen the last few games. Yeah, no, I could not agree with you more wholeheartedly. Uh, it looks to me like whatever ankle injury he sustained in the Knicks series, he got the treatment he needed to put up some unlike all-time performances against the Celtics. He was helped in large part by, you know, with the coming out party for Caleb Martin in that series, because, you know, pretty clearly the, you know, the, the heat had exactly the right read on what they needed to do to defend the Celtics, to frustrate them. And Caleb Martin was a huge part of that both sides of the floor. So, uh, you know, I think that kind of, um, 
obscured the fact that Jimmy Butler hasn't really been right. And the fatigue is absolutely a factor, but yeah, even more so, I think the comments he made before game one about, uh, well, yeah, I mean, no, no, nobody's, you know, nobody really cares. We're all hurt kind of stuff. And yeah, my ankle is not hundred percent. Uh, you know, I think that has, that has looked, uh, to be the case very clearly, uh, through his performances. And it's not to say he's performing poorly. It's just that he was going to have to put uh, together like a, you know, a Kawhi Leonard with the mm-hmm. Raptors type of type of run here. Uh, and he just doesn't quite have that gear. So, uh, you know, for, you know, it, it, he was the one out of the f- top five players I had in the series in terms of just personal player ratings. Uh, the other four were all on the nuggets. And so this was going to be a tough task, even if he was a hundred percent and the nuggets are just that good of a team. Talking to Drew Densick, you can find him at NBC Sports Edge. You can find him on the Deep Dive Podcast and over on the Twitter machine at whale underscore capper. Drew, over to the tennis world here. We spent a good amount of time here in segment one, and, and rightfully so, talking about the accomplishment from Novak Djokovic here, moving to 23 Grand Slams in an era in which another guy had 22 and another guy had 20, right? I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal that he was playing against that level of competition and was still able to get to 23 here. We're two legs of the way of the calendar Grand Slam. He's the favorite as we head into Wimbledon. One, what does this accomplishment mean as a huge tennis fan to you? Because me, I was I was a Federer stan. I was big, you know, I loved Federer growing up, my guy. But to me, this kind of cements Djokovic as, as the GOAT. Hey, it's tough to really put him ahead of Federer, in my mind at least. And mm-hmm. some of that is because I'm a Federer fan. Um you know, it's pretty clearly the fact that he won this, he, he's won a handful of slams, not having to go through Nadal or Federer, which make, which matters, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yes, he's technically in the same era as those guys, but his, his true peer was Andy Murray. And oh, by the way, Andy Murray's winning title still, uh, albeit uh, at the service and challenger <laughs> on the same day as the uh, uh, French open final. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Andy Murray got hurt. He, he didn't have quite as clear a peer rivalry as Federer and Nadal had. Um, and, you know, I think for those reasons, he was able to navigate, uh, you know, a very talented men's field in the French open, but he was the only guy with any experience. He got to play Carlos Alcaraz and Alcaraz is what 30, 31st ever best of five format match. And this was his 430th, like that, that gulf of experience is just a lot to overcome. Even if you are a very talented player, which Carlos Alcaraz is. And, uh, you know, pretty clearly I thought at least the, you know, how you prepare your body for best of five, the condition conditioning you need to be able to go the distance in these matches, like that takes years and reps to, to get a handle on. And he pretty clearly has it. His team, you know, pretty clearly, uh, knows what it needs to do to get his body right for best of five format. And so he's always going to be kind of the proverbial player to beat, I think in best of five now, Wimbledon and his specific talent on grass is, is pretty interesting as we, you know, head into grass season, it sounds like he's not going to play a warm up tournament. He's just going to go raw right into Wimbledon. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it's going to be a tough test because yeah, the whole, the entire field is definitely gaining on him just in terms of their, you know, ability to perform tennis and his, you know, he's getting older and older and he's going to have to now go through another two week, uh, marathon. So it's, it's going to be, uh, interesting to see if there's a way to bet against him in that tournament. Uh, I certainly am excited to see what Andy Murray play, how he plays the rest of this grass swing. Cause he was pretty dynamic in Surbiton. Uh, and you know, if he's at all, uh, you know, close to the level we've seen from him in the past on grass, he's going to be a, 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 a pretty challenging foe. Uh, similarly with Medvedev. He basically got the entire French Open off because he lost in round one. Uh, 
uh, and he's been otherwise playing really, really great tennis this season. So he's going to be a tough out. Um, but you know, kind of the same exact nature of it takes a lot of experience to get good at best of five tennis. It takes a lot of experience to get good at grass mm-hmm. and the grass season is so short and he has so many more reps, uh, than the next, you know, the next closest player that it's just going to be uh, that much more challenging for anyone to catch him. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately if he takes this third, third of the four slams, then, um, I'm going to be betting against him pretty aggressively at the U S open, but, uh, <laughs> we can save that for another day. Over on the women's side, he gets it done. She heads into Wimbledon plus 380 as your betting favorite, but not a big gap here between her and a couple of other players, in which I think could be interesting as we enter Wimbledon. What do you see? How do you kind of handicap all of that? Just 22 years old, is he? Yeah, boy. I mean, she's pretty clearly the best women's player on clay by margin, um, and that's not going to change anytime soon. I mean, she ought to be probably in the – uh, pick them range for every French open until someone comes along who's doing it as well or better. And, uh, it's, uh, it was not a clean French open really from her. Everybody kind of got out of her way. And then ultimately, even in the final, uh, her opponent was the better player for huge swaths of that match, but ultimately couldn't get across the finish line. Um, and that, but you know, it's not, it's not, all, it's not a, uh, a beauty contest as much as it is, you know, can you outlast your opponent? And she did. She wins. She's the best women's tennis player on tour right now by, by a decent amount and uh, best on clay surely. And now we have to kind of ask ourselves if she can translate any of that skill and uh, ability to grass. Her serve is definitely better this season than it was last season. That's hugely important for being, uh, being able to sustain grass, uh, you know, winning on grass. Um, but the rest of the field is pretty close to her, I think. And I would start the list with, of course, Anz Jabor, who's, you know, an incredibly great grass tennis player. She's playing well uh, as of late. Um, mentally, it's going to be tough for her to overcome what happened last year, surely. But, uh, you know, she's got the skills. And then you look at Sabalenka and uh, Rabakina as your other two kind of, you know, other two top three of women's tennis right now with uh, Iga. Uh, and they, their skill sets are both perfectly tuned for, you know, succeeding on grass. So uh, I look at it at a four-woman four race uh, for Wimbledon, and I don't think there should be a ton of margin between those four players. And I think you probably ought to just shop price and, and just collect prices as we go through grass season running up to that. Find his great work over on NBC Sports Edge. You can also find him on the Deep Dive Podcast and on the Twitter machine at whale underscore capper. Drew, hopefully you make it out to LACC, buddy. If anyone's watching on TV, just look for the man with the best hair in the business. (laughs) He is Drew Densick. Stick around. We'll talk a little NBA player props on the other side. A numbers game on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a smarter sports better with a VEASAN Pro subscription for a limited time. Sign up for just $9.99 and get full access to everything we do, including daily pro picks all the summer action, including NFL, college football, futures, premium analysis from our team of handicappers and industry experts. You also get 24-7 video access. You can see our pretty faces if you want to do that. And pro tools like our exclusive betting split showing you where the public and the sharp money is going to give you an edge. Don't miss out. VEASAN.com slash subscribe today. It is Matt Brown in for Gil Alexander here on a Monday, a numbers game on VEASAN. Kelly Bidlin is behind the glass. Drew Densick joined us last segment to talk all things NBA and tennis. And Kelly, that does lead us into our NBA discussion. And as we sit right now, it's sitting at nine. It's been sitting at nine for 
two days now and it hasn't moved, though it was 208.5 yesterday on the total, so we have seen at least a half-point move in the total, tick up just a tad to 209. Oh, I see some 209.5s now, too. Uh, starting to pop out there in the industry. Minus 380 on the Nuggets if you want the money line, plus 310 on the Heat if you think that they win this thing outright. It's just very hard for me to get to a point where I don't feel like this series is over. And Mainly, I think that the last game was really the – indicator as to just the talent difference in these two teams, right? Because you don't get the monster game from Jokic. You don't get the monster game from Murray. You could argue, yes, the assists were there for Murray, but you could argue kind of a mediocre game even from Murray. And then you get it from everybody else, and that's enough to get it done, right? I mean, you turn back the clock with Gordon to get 27 from him. You see Brown contributing. You see KCP hit the dagger three that really just iced the whole thing. And you have these ancillary players that, given the opportunity, were able to step up and get it done. Where you look on the Heat side of things, and what I consider to be there, there's something going on with Jimmy Butler. I, I don't know if he's yeah. tired. Yeah. I don't know if it's an ankle. I don't know if it's a combination of both. I don't like he has not looked the same at all. And Bam Adebayo is just he's an okay number two. He's not a guy that can elevate and become that you know when he needs to step up and be that go to guy. And then the rest of the the staff, the, the rest of the team is fine, right? They're they're fine, and it's a fine makeup. But I don't think it's a team that is really built to to withstand what the Nuggets can bring to them. And I think that really showed last game, right? I mean, you get the normal game from Jokic, you get an average game from Murray, and you still are able to win in dominant fashion. Yeah, and you could, I mean, look, you could say, hey, they shot 50% from three, but this is a team that doesn't really take a lot of threes. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like you're gaining a ton there. I, I'm with you. I think, I think last game was, is a, was a good example of what the, the true difference in these rosters are. And, um, you know, that was much more what the Miami Heat have looked like all regular season as opposed to what they've looked like in the playoffs with the three-point shooting percentage being at 32% uh, for them. Um, the one, I think, if you are going to take over some pros from what Miami did mm -hmm. in that game into, into game five here tonight, they finally looked to get out and run. That was kind of the one area of Denver Denver's defense that you had, I had some concerns about a little bit at least throughout the playoffs, but, you know, coming into the series, when you're asking yourself, where can Miami actually take advantage? They're not the greatest transition defense in the world. Problem is Miami doesn't really go out and get out and run a whole yeah. lot. They did in this last game. I do think that's something that you'll see again tonight, Matt, them trying to force that issue. That's where I agree with the movement on the total. That would be kind of an over or pass for me situation on the total. That's why I think that number is going up. Um so yeah, I, but you know, overall, I'm with you. I think this. I think this series ends tonight. I did lay eight and a half with the Nuggets. Um, guess a little, I'm not surprised to hear Drew say that, but I thought this spread. When we see closeout situations like this, Matt, yeah, I think you usually see these spreads a little bit long, uh, bigger than what they were in games past. And this is right where we were at. You know, kind of when Denver's been at home throughout this series. So eight and a half, getting under that nine. I, I it's not a big bet for me, but I did bet that. Uh, here tonight. I think another way you could look is Nuggets team total over. It's basically gotten there every game. Uh, yes, that number's starting to rise a little bit, but if you're in the camp of me, you kind of like the over, you kind of like the Nuggets anyways, that might be the way to go about it. Yeah, I wonder, you know, it's if you want to go about this with some sort of correlated play, I do think, though, if you like, if you like the heat, 
you're going to need to play the over as well. I think that you're not going to be looking at another another game in which they are unable to score 100 points yeah. and you're still able to get a win in some way, shape, or form. Like I don't think that that's the case. If you like the Heat and you think that the Heat can somehow extend this series, I think you're also looking towards an over here as well because you need them to kind of score – 107, you know, yep. 108, if not 110. Like, you need them to score more point, uh, much more points than they've been scoring so far. So I do think that there's maybe some correlation there with with all of that. I mean... I, I think there's a huge correlation. Yeah. Uh, now that you're bringing it up, man, I wouldn't... There, if I'm interested in the Heat tonight, I'm not betting the Heat, I'm betting the over. Yeah. Because they, they have really not been able to stop what Denver's done offensively. Mm-hmm. Denver, their offensive rating throughout this series is ridiculous. It's about... Uh, 119 yeah. right now, 119.6 through these four games. You haven't slowed them down really much at all. So what? So if Miami Heat are going to win or cover that spread, the three-point shooting's got to heat back up. Jimmy Butler's got to look old, look like his old mm-hmm. self again, right? But I don't think it's really going to equate to you shutting down the the, the Nuggets offensively. So I'm, if you're interested in Miami, that's where I would go. It's just bet the over. And it gives you a and and it, and it gives you an out, another out, mm-hmm. right? Like you you could you could even be wrong and still be right, right? And still and still win your bet. That's kind of how I look at it. I don't see a low scoring kind of heat victory in this one. Now, what we have seen from a player prop perspective is we've seen Jimmy Butler's number as high as 29 and a half throughout the course of the playoffs, all the way down to 26 and a half in this one. Now, a lot of this probably has to do with what we were talking about just a second ago with there's something going on with him, whether it's fatigue, whether it's injury, whether it's a combination of the two, but 26 and a half, six and a half rebounds, six and a half assists for Jimmy Butler as well. Kelly, when I take a look at this, where I have Butler is kind of on the kind of on the underside of this. I kind of have it just right at like a little under 26. So there's no real edge. I, th- I don't think one way or the other for this. I think this then becomes how you think this game is going to go. If you think the Heat are highly, highly competitive and maybe even have a chance to win the game, you're leaning towards the over here because Jimmy Butler is going to have to have a game in order for them to to be that team. And then I think if you're looking at this as, ah, you know, Nuggets are going to blow this thing out. It's not even going to be a competition. Jimmy Butler might get a curtain call, you know, at yeah. some point, like, you know, and, and get called off the court and even give the away fans a chance to kind of, you know, show their respect for a dude that's just played his, his heart out over the course of the playoffs. And so I think you're kind of looking at an under for him if you think it's going to go that direction. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. I did make one uh, – one player prop bet here tonight. I did play Kyle Lowry over his points and assists. Uh-huh. Um, this is one we've seen seen his minutes ticking up, up, up. Uh, this is obviously correlated to Gabe Vincent's struggles over mm-hmm. the past two games. But the other thing that you've seen out of Lowry is him running that second unit. Again, he's an- another one of these guys that is pushing the tempo up the floor when he's out there with that second unit. Um, their best start, their best five on the floor so far has been Lowry, Martin, um, uh, Bam Butler and who's the fifth guy I am missing? And Duncan Robinson. That's been the best five on the floor so far for the Miami Heat throughout those se- throughout the series. So what does that what does that say? It's Jimmy Butler and Bam, but the kind of other guys has shifted from what we saw against the Boston Celtics. So I like Lowry. I think when you especially in this type of situation, Matt. 
I, Gabe Vincent, the story has been awesome. Mm-hmm. But now your back's against the wall facing elimination. I don't. I, I think them go, leaning a little bit more on the veteran NBA champion Kyle Lowry is what you're going to see tonight. So I did play over 13 and a half on his points and assists. Not enough of an edge for me to actually put it in the account, but for what it's worth, I do have Kevin Love about a point and a half over his. So I have him closer to eight points as opposed to, as opposed to the six and a half that he's sitting at. Right now, you can actually get some plus money on him over on the six and a half. One of the things that did make an adjustment was the Aaron Gordon number here, Kelly. He has the monster game, and he goes from being about 11 and a half, 12 and a half to a 13 and a half right now from a points perspective. I would not get sucked into the big game. Look, yeah. you had a, like we said, it was just a different type of game for Jokic. It was a mediocre shooting night for Murray. And honestly, he got a lot of easy, easy buckets. There was, if you, if you were watching the game, you saw dunks, layups, alley-oops, all the different things that he was able to get. Some very, very easy scoring opportunities for Gordon. I think the number is appropriate, if anything, leaning back towards the under for him to get back more towards where he's been at over the course of the entire playoffs. So I don't agree with the uh, the move up to 13 and a half on, on Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's, if anything, you're just, you're talking about a little bit of an over-adjustment at this point. I mean, he's still going to it's really not one I'd be interested in get, getting involved with either side, though, Matt, right? Because yeah. he's what you're still going to get from him is what we've seen this entire series where, oh, you got a small guy on me? Fine, I'm going to take it right to the basket yeah. on you, and he's going to w- usually win that battle. But the problem is you would think if the Heat are doing things well, he's not going to end up as, with as many of those yeah. opportunities. Plus, you know, if he actually gets in a situation where he's relying more on shooting jumpers, then, yes, I like uh, the unders with him. They just opened one book out there, just opened Christian Brown. Four and a half points. What do you think? Oof. Four and a half. He's got to get to five. <laughs> he needs a three and oh, get fouled. You know what? You know what? Well, it, would be, it would be over or nothing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say it that way, Matt, because what if we get in this situation where it's a run out and Christian Brown's one of those guys that's probably one of the few guys left on the court that you actually saw some of throughout this series? When we come back, listen, there's only about 100 games left in the baseball season, so why don't we sit here and talk to Paul Spore about how those 100 games might play out. Stick around. It's a number game here on Visa. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, authorized gaming partner of the NBA, is ready for the finals. Sign up using code VSIN and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Enjoy BetMGM's wide variety of parlay selection featuring live betting options, player props, and boosted odds specials during the championship series. Sign up today with code VSIN and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you're if you don't win that first bet, BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 or older. This is a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued in non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets do expire after seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. This promotion is not available in D.C., Mississippi, Nevada or New York. And you really better jump on that one because the series is over tonight. If this is a final special, you better jump on that one today to get those thousand dollar in bonus bets because there will not be another game. I'm calling it Kelly. No upset tonight, buddy. It's getting done. Nuggets are getting crowned. Conveniently, you're not here tomorrow. Yeah. Back on Wednesday. And, if, <laughs> and if I'm wrong, angry tweet me, you know, and, and whatever. We'll go, we can go from there. Guy that is never wrong whenever we are talking baseball, you can find his great work over at Fangraphs is Paul Spore. You can find him on the Twitter machine at Spore as well. Paul, what's going on, buddy? Not too much, Matt. Thanks for having me on. That's definitely not true about me being wrong. <laughs> uh, well, you know, listen, here's the thing. It's not like any of the people ever remember on Twitter, right? It's not like you ever get tweets no. at you about any of the calls that you no. make that don't pan out, right? No, no, no. Yeah. Always get full credit when yes. I'm right yes. and never have to catch any heat when I'm wrong. That's I agree. definitely it, how it works. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. And in, in, in my my uh, my line of work as well, uh, I get that too, buddy. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about – I want to talk about the teams that you feel are, are actually for real. And if we look at the top of all of the divisions, right, we see the Rays, we see the Twins, we see the Rangers head over the National League. You see the Braves and the Pirates and the Diamondbacks. There are a couple of teams in there that I just mentioned that certainly weren't in a lot of people's projections at the top of, namely, the Diamondbacks. You would, everyone had the Dodgers at the top. The Pirates certainly wouldn't have been someone that you'd have thought this long into the season would still be there. Listen, I'm not completely, completely sold on the Pirates, but there's something interesting about this Diamondback squad. What, I mean, the, certainly the pitching staff has been giving it to them pretty much you know, every time out here. Is there staying power here for, for Arizona, in your opinion? Yeah, this is a ball club that I did really like coming into the year, and I certainly didn't project them to win in the division, but I did have them in the wild card mix big time. I really like the baby snakes. I think the lineup that they've put together is really impressive. We knew Corbin Carroll was going to get a full year with veterans like Marte and Walker. 
Uh, Moreno, I thought was a nice pickup. I liked that Varsho deal, even though I think Varsho is great. I thought that was a nice deal to clear up some of their outfield issues because Varsho isn't really a catcher. Um, and then, you know, you have a true ace and gallon problem is it gets a little light from there. And this might be one, unless these guys t- turn it around in the summer, this might be one of those where I might get the right answer, but the, the work I show might be wrong. You know, back in school, when you had to show your work, you get the right answer, but, but your path there is wrong. You still got it wrong. Uh, because I thought Brandon fought and Dre Jameson could be big pieces here on the mound for them. And right now it's Zach gallon, Merrill Kelly, and, and, and some goofballs really. I mean, these are not strong pitchers here. Tommy Henry, Ryan Nelson, Zach Davies, Davies, a veteran. He's okay. Innings eater, but I really thought fought and Jameson would be game changers for them to really help them stay. But here they are in the division lead without them. Imagine if they do get going, but I do think this team has legitimacy to it in Arizona. Up in the American League, we have the Rays, and honestly, Orioles playing great, Yankees playing much, much better now. Even the Blue Jays, seven games over 500, and the Red Sox are mm-hmm. even at even 500. When we look at this Blue Jay squad, Manoa flamed out. We get these weird starts out of Gosman. Like every fifth start, he just gets absolutely blown up and then looks fantastic in between for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Don't know really what's going on there. As you handicap this division overall, I mean, the Rays do seem like they have the staying power, but what do you think of the Orioles, the Yankees, the Jays? Is there any one of these teams that actually could come in and challenge the Rays for the division title? We have a lot of baseball to play. Yeah, we, we do have tons to play. The, the thing of it is they may have banked enough wins to to really withstand uh, charges by the O's, Yankees, Jays, or multiples of those three. And I think all three of those teams are game to give them a run. But again, when you're talking about five and a half game lead or bigger, nine and a half, ten and a half for the Yankees and Jays, not insurmountable, right? Too early to say, seal it, don't even talk about it. They can chisel away at it. But you also have to think, is this Rays club going to come back to them at all? I mean, they can, t- they lose like an ace a week and they don't feel it somehow. This team is absolutely insane. We all kind of knew when they signed Zach Eflin for the biggest deal in, in the history of their organization, five, 10 years ago, we might've been like, wait a minute, what's up with that? Now we've seen the Rays enough to know, oh boy, you got to be on Zach Eflin now. Cause this is probably going to be a big move. He's been a God. So they still have McClanahan Eflin. They did all of this without Tyler glass now. So imagine if he can just give him three months, right? Just mm-hmm. give him the rest of the season here. He fills in for one of Rasmussen's spring Taj Bradley, I think has uh, springs rather. I think Bradley has the skills to fill in for the other one. So they could fill in the two basically aces that they lost and not miss a beat. So while I do think those teams are game, I, I'm not sure that the Rays are going to come back to them. I, I, th- I could see it being tight down the stretch, but I still favor the Rays uh, from here forward as far as the AL East goes. What do you think of the Blue Jays, man? I mean, it's listen to the lineup. It's very hard to poke a hole whenever you look. I mean, you know, even one to nine, basically when they're yeah. standing in the, in the box, but it's just what we've got going on on the mound. Like I said, Gosman's been majority fine. He does get blown mm-hmm. up. It seems like one every fifth start, but outside of that, it is really kind of rolling the dice here. Is it going to be too much for them to overcome? And is it really make them a team that you don't, don't give a real chance, you know, down the stretch and in the playoffs because of what's going on on the mound? No, no, I still think they got a nice three up front with Gosman, Bassett, Berrios. Uh, with Berrios returning this year, he basically offsets Manoa a bit. Right now, in fairness to Berrios, he was not as bad as Manoa has been this year, right? He at least mm. was able to go out there every fifth day. And I know we focus a lot on fantasy and handicapping and, and things like that. 
Um, so we don't see any value in what Barrios did last year, but a team that gets 172 innings from a guy, even at a 523 ERA, there is some value to that. Right now, Manoa is nothing. Like he is adding nothing to them on the baseball field. I'm not obviously critiquing him as a person. Uh, he's at the lowest point of of his career right now, being sent all the way to the rookie ball there. But that's a that's a move they can overcome. I think we've learned over the years that no single player, even the best, right? We've seen. I, I think I remember one year when the Reds lost Votto, and like there goes their season. They went on a huge run without him. They ended up making the playoffs. Uh, that just isn't how baseball is where one guy kills you. We just got done talking about the Rays hemorrhaging an ace a week for a while and they haven't missed a beat. So I don't think Manoa's failure, even if he doesn't come back for them, should kill them. They've also shown that they're a team that's aggressive. They're going to be in the market at the deadline too. So they can supplement that back end. I don't really believe in Kikuchi with his home run issues, but Gosman Bassett Barrios is a top three. I can believe in get them a little bit more bullpen strength, get some fourth, fifth starters that you can rely on. And they're every bit as good as these other ball clubs in the East. In the AL side of things, from an MVP perspective, it's definitely Shohei. I guess there is an outside chance he gets moved, and this could really make this market very, very interesting. Tell me, I'm you can tell me I'm crazy. It's fine. You won't be the first one even today to do it. Uh, Vonder Franco, thirty to one right now, and I feel like maybe we're sleeping just a tad on a dude that's the best team in baseball with the Rays. He strikes out at a ridiculously low clip. He basically is one for one walk to strikeout ratio. He's stealing bases. He's hitting for power. He's scoring runs. What more does this dude have to do playing on the best team in baseball to get some respect in this market? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly where I was going to go. I'm somebody who believes that Otani deserves it every year that he's a lead on both sides of the ball, including last year. Sorry, Aaron judge, but absent that, or if the trade happens, like you said, if he gets traded to the NL, that throws everything up in the air. And I do think Franco is the guy that you look at next. He's having the breakout, right? I had, I had an issue with him last year in the fantasy world where I was like, where, where's the fantasy juice? Where's the power? Where's the speed? Because he really wasn't showing either of those, these new speed rules, uh, new rules that have enhanced stolen bases have really done a number on several guys, including Franco who already has 22, but he's also having the power development already has eight homers. He's not going to be a power stud, but if you're hitting 300 with a 365, 370 OBP, 20 homers, 40 steals, gobs of runs and ribbies because you're on the best team. That's an MVP candidate. So I agree that Franco is a good ticket to get right now, uh, just in case something happens with Otani or if the voters again have that stupid voter fatigue where they're too dumb to vote for the best guy, then maybe you have a chance with Franco. But I still think it is Otani as the number one guy by a lot right now. Paul, we got about 30 seconds. Who are we buying in the AL Central? What, what, what's going on in that division? I think the twins are better than we've seen. I, I really love what they're doing with their pitching. They develop pitching very well. They have a lineup that is better than this too. It's underperformed. They're kind of keeping some teams in it. And if the guardians get any of their hitting from last year, turning it around, they'll be in this too. So I think it's going to be a twins guardians race here uh, because I do think a few guys like Jimenez are going to start turning it around for the guards, but I do still favor the twins. Find his great work over at Fangraphs. You can find him on the Twitter machine at Spore. The best stash we have seen on the network in years. He is Paul Spore. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Stick around for hour number two here of a numbers game. We're going to talk some U.S. Open and see what we've got in the account already. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.